In this episode, I sat down with Kathleen Nordstrom from Northern Lights Daylilies in West Concord, Minnesota. Kathleen has always been a fan of flowers and gardening, and by chance, she ended up loving daylilies. She is relatively new to the hybridizing of daylilies, but her introductions are simply spectacular. Kathleen is a quality human and is absolutely perfect for this podcast. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed sitting down and having a conversation with her. Thank you for downloading the Humble Hemorrholic Podcast, where you get to know the people that make daylilies come to life. This is a show to help you get to know the people that share a common love for the genus Hemorrhocalis, or more commonly known as the daylily. We will be discussing a wide variety of topics with daylily leaders, hybridizers, and individuals that simply share a love of the daylily. Along the way, we'll discuss hybridization, different aspects of the American Daylily Society, regional topics of interest, local club topics, gardening basics, trends, and challenges. If you're an emerging or seasoned daylily enthusiast, enjoy gardening in general, or just share a love of podcasts, I sincerely hope that you will enjoy the insights our guests will bring to this podcast. My name is Rhonda Verovin, and I will be your host on this fun adventure. here at the Region 2 Winter Meeting in Indianapolis. I've been really lucky to sit down with some amazing people at this event. I was able to get a dynamic duo to come in and agree to speak with me, and they're going to be speaking separately, so I'm super excited. They're also northern hardy hybridizers. They're from Minnesota, so really close to my home, and I'm really excited about that. My first guest of the duo is Kathleen Nordstrom from Northern Lights Daylilies in Minnesota. Welcome. Thank you. Kathleen, we've had a chance to chat before. I know a little bit about you. I was hoping that you might be willing to share with people a little bit about Kathleen, just kind of the person Kathleen, not anything to do with our crazy flower passion that we have. Okay. Well, I grew up in Bismarck, North Dakota, and I had five older brothers. They influenced me quite a bit in a variety of ways. (laughs) I bet that toughened you up. (laughs) It did. It did. It all flows downhill, you know. Yes. (laughs) And that's true. And, uh, of course, my mother and father were there, and then my maternal grandmother lived there also. And mom had a big garden in the back for flowers and then also vegetables. And so that was where I learned a little bit about gardening. And we also... We'd go for rides in the countryside and search for rocks for her rock garden. And oh, how some fun! Simple pleasures. Yes, um, she would make butterfly nets for the kids to try and catch butterflies in her garden, and then she would regret it deeply because we'd be <laughs> smashing all of her lovely blooms. We had a vegetable garden growing up, and I was forbidden to go back there to get fireflies. I would catch them in mason jars, Uh and I would load up getting those fireflies. They were everywhere. It was magical, right? But I was forbidden to go back there because I would beat up the vegetable plants pretty badly chasing after those. Yeah. (laughs) So I can understand, I guess, looking back now. But it's the pure pleasure of it when you're just innocent and enjoying time. Absolutely. 
Well, I've lived in different parts of the country. I went to school in Arizona, and then I attended medical school at the University of California in San Diego and did an internship in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, before going to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. All over. All over, back and forth across the coast, checking out the world after growing up in my little home state in the Midwest. (laughs) And then um, I practiced in Portland, Oregon. What area did you practice? Radiation oncology. That's an important area for sure. Kind of specialized. Only cancer patients and only advising them on whether treatment with radiation therapy is appropriate for their particular situation. A very rewarding career. And I did that full time for about 23 years. And then um, I stepped back to part time practice. I just travel within the state and cover for doctors who are on vacation or gone for medical education. And the reason I do that was because I wanted to spend the summers in the garden. And <laughs> you weren't locked in. And to hybridize. Yes. Yeah. It took me a long time, but I finally figured out how to take control of my time so that I could pursue that passion. And you, you're still able to have a career that you love and Absolutely. is very rewarding. So yes. That's good. And uh, people are appreciative to get coverage so they can have time off. And then I make a little bit of money I can spend on day lilies. <laughs> to help support her. At meetings. Not unlike what we saw earlier this I was going to say, I saw your hand up a couple of times, I think. Yeah. I was outbid completely. Yeah. I didn't get anything tonight. But they're always fun. I love the auctions. They're fun. Yeah. It's for a good cause, I always say. Now, you were in North Dakota practicing, correct? Correct. Okay. And now you're in Minnesota practicing part-time. I just want to make sure I understand. Okay. Um, I limit my practice to physicians requiring coverage in the states of Minnesota and Iowa. Okay. So you're willing to travel. Yes. And I travel in my car and I just throw everything in the car that I need and (laughs) off I go. I would think that would be a little hard to be away from family, though. Um, yeah, it is. But it's usually, you know, a very limited time limited opportunity and nice to get back home. You know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Absolutely. And you have a good one to go home to. I do. (laughs) I have Michael and we have two funny little cats that crack us up every day. (laughs) One eyed Jack and Danny boy. One eyed Jack. Okay. Is it a one-eyed cat? It is a one-eyed cat. Okay, wonderful. Wonderful. We have one cat. I lost two this year. We only have one now. We're down to one and a dog. And I've seen your dog on Facebook. (laughs) She's a brat. (laughs) Lovely. She is. She's misunderstood. Much like me. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) She's got a big personality, that's for sure. (laughs) Oh, but you can see her love come through the photos. Oh, my goodness. We love her. She's a sweetie. Yeah, she's a rescue and we adore her. So you have cats. One eye jack and then what was the other one's name? Danny Boy. Danny Boy. <laughs> exactly. Danny Boy came walking across the front lawn one day, skinny, scrawny little cat, and he just kind of hung out on the driveway for a while, never went away. And Mike watched him try to hunt for a pigeon and he was a horrible hunter. <laughs> and so he put some food down. He had no hope. He had he had no hope. So um, we had two cats that had become ill and were gone just a week or so earlier. And then Danny Boy just shows up and he we had said, we don't want an orange cat. We don't want long haired. Kind of would like a tuxedo cat or a black cat or a tabby. And so here comes this long haired orange and white cat. <laughs> of course. And of he course. won't go away. So we named him Danny Boy. Yeah, he's... 
He's a little lover boy. Good. I think it's a prerequisite in the hybridizer world to either have dogs, cats, or a combination. Yes. And we have um, six, last count, I think it was six grand dogs, three or four grand cats. It's hard to stay current. <laughs> you have a very large family. Yes. I call my dog my dog you know, uh-huh. she is, she's my doctor because they're a member of the family. So I, yeah. I appreciate that you have grandcats and grand, you know, grand dogs. So I, I, you are in welcomed company referring I, to them in such a way. <laughs> I probably did this in the wrong order because we also have granddaughters. <laughs> There's no right or wrong order. You're getting there, right? I'm getting there, right? So you Save have me. granddaughters. So I'm assuming that there are children. Yes. Okay. Could you tell yep. me about them? Yep, I'll let Mike tell the the details because he's known them longer than I have. Ah, excellent. There's Adrienne is the oldest, and she has four girls. And then there's Mike Jr., and they're going to be blessing us with another girl in April. Soon. Soon. And then Nick and his wife, Kesley, have a little girl. And she was just born last July while we were in northern Mecca. And she's a delight. We are grateful that we're close by and we sometimes get to take care of her while mom runs errands. Very good. And it's awesome because I never had children of my own because I was basically wed to my career. Right. And so I've never born children, but I have all these grandchildren, so I really lucked out. (laughs) You have the best of both worlds. Yes. (laughs) That's wonderful. How did you find your way into gardening? You mentioned, you know, you had some gardens around the house and things that you mm-hmm. weren't allowed in or you got yelled at for beating up with, with, butterfly. <laughs> with butterfly nets. Yeah. But how did you end up getting to the daylily worlds? Was it just a passion for gardening and you happened into it or how did that happen? Well, I've always enjoyed flowers, thought they were very pretty. And I remember when I was doing my residency in Chapel Hill, we lived in an apartment And I bought a German iris bulb for $5. Oh, my. That was super expensive. That was a major purchase (laughs) when you're in training and they're paying you hardly anything. (laughs) And um, so we planted that bulb outside the window and then also some daffodils in the forest right adjacent to our, our apartment. And that was the beginning of me getting back into flowers. What color was the iris? It was purple. I love purple. Yeah. And then when when we moved to Portland, we actually dug up that iris and took it with us. I'm glad to hear that. That's wonderful. And um, so once in Portland, um, I got into ferns. I loved ferns in all that rainy weather. And Portland also is the city of the rose and uh, rose gardening. And so I started to dabble a few things there. And then when we never had luck with roses, I want them in my garden. I just Mm -hmm. haven't had luck. Yeah. Um, Kind of the same here for us in Minnesota. They're pretty tough to grow through the winter. But but yeah, coming back to the Midwest, I ran across um, an elderly couple south of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, that had a huge collection of bearded iris. And so I purchased some iris from them, but they were getting older um, and had some health problems. And I offered to help weed for a while. And that was nice. Go out there on the weekend and just enjoy the outdoors. And slow but sure, I started to plant a little more 
um, in Cedar Rapids. But it wasn't until I got back to my hometown of Bismarck that I really started to garden seriously and obsessively. <laughs> and I started obsessively gardening with iris. And so that's great that you yeah. loved them. So that yeah. was fun. How about daylilies? How did you find them? Well, um, just in the usual uh, garden center shopping, I purchased a couple of daylilies. One of them was course lined by David Kirchhoff, mm -hmm. and the other was strawberry candy. That's a classic one. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Pink's good. Yeah. And other than that, I didn't know a whole lot about them. And I had some gardening friends in Bismarck, and I was um, invited to join them on a trip to the Twin Cities because they were going to shop for daylilies. And would I like to come along? And I thought, well, that's kind of a strange reason for going to the cities, but... Well, I can't think of a better reason to go to the cities than to go shopping for daylilies. Yeah, with three other women and a Ford Explorer. Why not? Come on, that sounds like fun yeah. to me. So um, we went to North Star Daylilies that was in Rogers, Minnesota, and I walked around a set of trees and I saw this field full of color. And of course, I'm like everyone else, I thought they were all yellow and orange and the the intensity and variety of color was astounding. And not long thereafter, I saw Carol Emmerich's greenhouse. I haven't been yet. Oh, I'm so envious. It is an amazing piece of heaven. You definitely need to go. Oh, being as close as we are, yeah. I, there is no doubt. It's a, when our national is done, uh, there are several road trips planned mm -hmm. in my head. Definitely one to Carol. And if we're going to Carol, you know who else we have to visit. Absolutely. We're just about one hour <laughs> south of Carol. Exactly. So, so that's that's in the works for after our national, but we perfect. can't. I can't even think about visiting anything until after that. <laughs> yeah. Those are dreams for after that's all done. Yes. Also, in addition to Carol's greenhouse, we uh, went to Kyle Billadu's garden She's I, a lovely woman. She's delightful. Yes. I'm very fond of her. She's a good friend. Yes. And um, I remember coming home from that visit, and I said to my husband, when I grow up, I want a garden like Kyle Billadu's. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, I started collecting daylilies, and it wasn't <laughs> that long after that my garden was starting to look like hers. And um, We all have goals, right? Yeah. <laughs> And I was surprised to um, be invited as a tour garden for the Region 1 summer meeting back in 2010, and the rest is history. Yeah. And it all started with a simple yes or no question. Yeah. Would you like to go to the cities to shop for daylilies? Well, yeah, sure. Why not? I'd like some lady time, right? Yeah, Like you it don't was pass great. up on a weekend just to go, but... You thought it was weird, and now it's not such a weird idea. Not at all, not in the slightest. <laughs> it was a good choice. Good. I'm dying to know how you decided to start hybridizing. I have to know how that started, because I don't hybridize. My son does. Uh -huh. And he has very specific traits he's looking for. And there might be some northern light daylilies that he spread pollen from all over the place last year. So mm -hmm. we're excited about those that he got. He loves eyes. So he's a big eye guy. So I know a guy who likes eyes and edges. Yes, I might know a guy who likes eyes and edges too. And so we were sure to get Andrew some of those. Yeah. So I'm always curious, why did you start hybridizing? Because for me, I guess I don't have a whole lot of interest in that area. My son, on the other hand, like he just devours any information he can get. So I like to know how people get there. Well, I guess I'll start with a 
a kind of funny anecdote about that. I've always been pretty detail-oriented and a little bit of a spreadsheet nerd, and I would (laughs) write lots of data about my garden. And one of my friends in Bismarck said, someday you're going to hybridize. I can just tell. And I say, not really. I I have no interest in that. (laughs) I don't have any plans to hybridize. I just garden. I collect. And lo and behold, she was was right. Um, The story's a little bit sad at first. Um, My husband had passed away in 2009. Mm. And I did some soul searching. And I asked myself, if I knew I wasn't going to be here in three years, what would I have wished I had done? Mm -hmm. And I thought, well... Maybe landscaping, go back to school, study landscaping, or two, garden design, or three, hybridizing. In any case, I knew I wanted to be outdoors in the summer. I didn't want to be locked with, within a windowless environment mm-hmm. and not see my flowers until after dark. I started to rule out landscaping because I wasn't into heavy equipment and planting <laughs> trees and all of that kind of thing. And I spent some time in the summer of 2010 actually advising someone about their garden, helping them get bloom with irises in the spring and daffodils and tulips and followed by the daylilies yeah. and, and all of that. And and that was fun, but I didn't think it was what I wanted to do for a lifetime. Yeah. And uh, at the time that I was growing some miniatures of Grace DeMille, Elizabeth Salter, and I thought, well, it'd be kind of fun to just spread a little pollen and make some some miniature flowers. And so I started to do that with the Northern Hardy survivors. Yes, the ones that, that made it. <laughs> the ones that had survived for a number of years in my garden. I can't say that I had any big goals. I think the comment that is most pertinent is people say, you know, you start to hybridize and you let the flowers take you where they will. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened with me. There just becomes a certain group that pique your interest and that you want to go to look at first each morning. And what are those for you? Well, for me, I still do like small flowers, um, but I am particularly interested in some diploid patterns. I was fortunate to get some flowers from Bob Faulkner to uh, incorporate into my program, and I've been blessed with a lot of beautiful patterns to enjoy each morning. (laughs) I have some Rose F. Kennedy babies that I like. Rose F. isn't all that hardy in our environment in Minnesota. not for me either, unfortunately. And... I talked to Mike about abandoning my Rose F. Kennedy program at one point because everybody was introducing RFK babies. But he pointed out that my RFK babies have survived several Minnesota winters. Yes. And so I did keep up with it and have those plants available for people that are living up close to Canada. Yes. And, you know, they're very different than the other babies that I'm seeing elsewhere. You know, Mm -hmm. and I love what you're able to put on a small daylily, Mm -hmm. those miniatures that you have, the detail that you're able to get. It is really quite remarkable to think. And I don't see a lot of people in your direction. You know what I mean? Where Mm -hmm. people like the big showy, big flashy, and you're really those details and the just stunning. Mm -hmm. And you had one that you posted on Facebook not that long ago, uh, Luscious Kiss. Mm -hmm. Is that right? I, you know, just seeing the picture at first didn't stun me. When I saw you post it with the scaper, there was a whole, like, A vase full of scapes, yep. Oh, my gosh. Instantly, that is going in my garden. Mm -hmm. Because the bud count, the branching, all of the details were there. And the flower was pretty. 
Mm-hmm. But it just wasn't one that just made me go, oh, I've got to have that in my garden, you know, because. Yeah, the mugshot didn't necessarily no. do it. And I had um, cut those scapes so that I could break the clump up to line it out. And I was like, oh, I got to put these in a vase. And I just snapped a shot and I didn't think a whole lot about it. But I got a lot of positive feedback about oh, that photo. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad you did it. <laughs> <laughs> Although it added another flower I have to have. So, <laughs> Well, don't worry. It's small. We'll find space for it. I have a new garden that's going in. I just put in um, a fire pit. And so I've got to, I'm doing a wraparound garden to my fire pit. So uh-huh. I'm like, huh, I have some space I need to fill in. <laughs> I think I know some daylilies that are going to go there. So I'm excited yeah. about that. So that was one that it just, and Quasar Cutie. I'm trying to think of some of them that I just love of yours that just stand out as really unique and interesting. The other one I think that most people find unique is called Gift of Life. Mm. And it's out of Emerald Starburst and Brookwood Black Kitten. I love Brookwood Black Kitten. Yes, (laughs) I do too. Fun flower. Um, So Gift of Life is literally, it's a blood red color. And then it's got a nice kind of M-shaped Emerald Starburst, Mm -hmm. bright yellow green center. But the flower is small, very nice upright foliage. I was pleased with how that flower turned out, and my goal is to take it even smaller and smaller. I named it, actually, in honor of my youngest brother. He uh, had recurrent lymphoma and was going to have a stem cell transplant. And so we, of course, all were tested for that. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, he died of complications from the preparation for the transplant. But it just made me think about how fortunate we are for the lovely people that donate their blood on a routine basis. They donate platelets, plasma, organ donation. It's truly a gift from the self when people do that. And it saves lives. And so I wanted to just spread that message and honor my brother, Jim. And the name is beautiful in of itself, but to have the story behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to move away from your program just slightly. Uh, You mentioned a couple of flowers that you hybridized with, but I don't know if those are necessarily your favorites. So what sort of daylilies are you drawn to shape? Now, I know you enjoy the smaller, the tiny, Mm -hmm. but what sort of non-Kathleen daylilies kind of speak to you? Well, I think the simplest way to say is I like pretty much absolutely everything, but I'm not really big into eyes and edges. Which is kind of funny because that's, that's really hilarious. That's, <laughs> that's a major focus of Mike Grossman. And he actually visited my garden in 2010 and noted that I had maybe one or possibly two eyed flowers. <laughs> it was clearly lacking. <laughs> yeah, they were probably gift plants or something right. and just got tucked in the ground. Um, and we joke, he'll ask me, uh, you know, what do you think of this flower? And I'd say, well, you know, it's okay, except for the fact that it's got an eye and an edge on it. <laughs> and uh, we often joke that the only good eye is a broken eye that's been broken into a pattern and right, things like right. that. So <laughs> we have a lot of fun with it. I like uh, a lot of the flowers from Margot Reed and Jim Murphy. What's not to love? Just beautiful uh, flowing action, yeah. lovely soft colors, sturdy scapes. Yeah, and they're it's patterning. Delightful. And they're patterning yeah. too. And after the National a couple of years ago, we had the pleasure of visiting their garden in person, and it was 
just sheer pleasure. It was. And I was able to bump into you at their garden. Yeah. How awesome was that? Yeah. <laughs> that was a treat. I it was really so was. grateful. It, it really was a treasure to be able to walk through their garden and have Jim take us through the seedlings. And that was pretty spectacular. Yeah, that was yeah. a great day. It was a very great day. Yeah. We were glad for the drive. That was, it was worth it. Yeah. Let's see, what else? Well, of course, um, everyone, I think, is pretty fascinated by the patterns of Bob Faulkner. Absolutely. And, yeah. <laughs> and I was able to purchase at uh, auction a future release of his, which is now known as, um, also known as J.T. Polston. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that has uh, figured quite prominently into my pattern program. So I'm always intrigued by his flowers. Um, I have to give a shout out to the homes mm -hmm. from Riverbend. Um, I also love the action and big flowers that Sandy makes. Hers make me drool. Yeah. <laughs> like when, when I ask what I'm drawn to, it's Sandy Holmes. Let's just be real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She has some of the most impressive cultivars that, mm -hmm. um, that I grow currently. Mike has a flower called uh, Red-winged blackbird. Yes, he does. Yes. And I love that flower. It's it's not that it's real complex or anything new, but its color and texture is just perfection. And I actually tried to hybridize with it, and I told him today there was no I couldn't improve upon it. <laughs> he I really. It's funny. I asked him what what are your favorite daylilies that you grow? And he mentioned that one that he was really proud of that because of the saturated color. So yeah, yeah. Um, Nikki and I have commented that we like to pick flowers when we know we're going on a little road trip, and we put them on the dashboard so we have something pretty to look at as we're driving long yes. distances, and we so we call them our dashboard flowers. Yes, and red winged blackbird is often selected as a dashboard flower, and I love. Red-winged blackbirds, they remind me of my father and fishing mm -hmm. because they'd always sing to us when I was fishing. So that's pretty apropos, I think. Yeah, yes. well-named. Mm -hmm. Yes, very nice. So what are some of your favorites that you grow? And I know it's hard to pick favorites that, of yours that you've hybridized. Well, I'm still pretty new at all of this. But you have some pretty amazing ones. You could talk about some seedlings, too, if you'd like. But. Yeah, yeah. So um, currently, I have two introductions from 2018, and I have four from 2019. And then this fall, I picked another six that are currently lined nice. out. Oh, I can't wait. And uh, one of the things that I really enjoy are the flowers that are in the, about the four-inch range that have a triangular rainbow-patterned eye. Like so the chevron shape. The yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. A lot of color, mm -hmm. you know, maybe four or five different colors in the gradient of that eye. And um, if you think of a four-inch flower, that's a small space it to have small. that much detail. And so you have to be careful with clean color. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Um, I have a couple more Rose of Kennedy babies that I've brought inside. I've enjoyed finding a couple of doubles, small, mini, tiny little doubles oh, in the seedling field. Fun. So I've pulled those out and put them. When you them say small, mini, how big? Well, there's a mini double that I lined out this fall that is two, 2.75 inches, I would say. I tiny, love it. Tiny. And it's kind of a rosy colored pink, and it really does look like a little rose bush. 
It's amazing. I like the different weird, you know? So Mm -hmm. for me, those little minis are super fun right next to a really big one. So yeah, I love it. So that's great. I struggle a little bit with my tetraploid program. I have some patterns and earlier this spring, I thought, you know, maybe I should just switch to diploids only. And God must have heard me say that because the next morning at the greenhouse, I had three of the most gorgeous broken <laughs> patterns that you'd ever seen. And so I thought, oh, okay, I'll try for a little bit I'll listen. longer. I'll listen to this. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see how that develops in the years to come. Have you had any hybridizers or anyone in the daylily world that have inspired you or really maybe mentored or took you under their wing and kind of helped you out at all? Well, of course, Mike Grossman on a daily basis. Well, I bet he's pretty <laughs> great help. <laughs> he's taught me a great deal from the beginning. He's also been a good teacher in that he lets me do things my own way and make a few mistakes and learn from my own mistakes as well. That's he's not just too. handing things over. But I've learned a lot from him. I have to give some credit to Mike Holmes because he paid attention to my program early on and he gave me some advice on... I think this flower might be a good one for you to incorporate into your program. And a couple of times uh, he helped me track down a particular bloom and and get that growing at our place. That always kind of amazed me that people notice and they take the time. Yeah. 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 And not only just mentioned in passing, this I think would be cool in your program, but to actually help me track it down and acquire it. A lot of great fascinating people that you meet in this world. Absolutely. And even if you're not a lover of daylilies, you know, and you're listening to this, they're just going to be in whatever niche you're in. They will be people if you just sit and listen, right? Mm -hmm. Your eyes open and your ear to the ground. Absolutely fun to have that happen. You do programs and you're relatively new at doing programs. Mm -hmm. Uh, You were at the Wisconsin Daylily Society um, and you presented, was that one of your first programs? Um, actually, that was maybe my third or fourth. Okay. I yeah. didn't think you were new. So I was like, okay, I didn't know you were new. <laughs> like, well, she's pretty seasoned at <laughs> what she's doing. Well, for one thing, um, you oftentimes have to do presentations in my career. Yeah. And so that made it easy. And then Mike has been hybridizing for 20 years. Yeah. And so w- I'm just kind of his warm up act. <laughs> Um, people would let me show my slides, even though I didn't have any introductions. Um, so that was really nice of them to include me. So I did get some early experience in presentations. Well, I think people were not just letting you, they were being selfish and wanted to see all the great things (laughs) you're doing. So you need to give yourself credit for that. Now, I know that you and Mike travel together quite a bit and do speaking together, but do you speak separately if somebody wanted, if they were specifically interested in your program or are you kind of a, a tag team? Well, I think that we certainly would speak individually if someone wanted us to do that. Thus far, we've always gone together. We usually travel in the car to wherever we're going rather than flying yeah. if it's within a reasonable distance. And we kind of joke that you get two for one yeah. for that price. I don't know why somebody wouldn't want both of you. Like <laughs> To me, I, but I just, you never know if somebody's looking for one thing in particular for a program or something. Right, you know? right. Uh, and yeah, it's hard. Yeah. And it's kind of fun because as you pointed out earlier, our programs are so different. Oh, not even in the same yeah. vein. So you get two <laughs> totally different kinds of talks when when you bring the two of us in. For sure. And personalities are very different. 
Yeah, I think you could say that. <laughs> Mike is over in the corner shaking his head. He's, He's like, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Anything else that you'd like to share about your experience in the daylily world or any roles you might have held in the American Daylily Society or regionally or locally that you might have done? As I got together with Mike, one of the things that came up is that we would be bus captains together at the National. So we've done that together three or four times. And that's a fun experience. It is a fun experience. Uh, We've had a we've had a great deal of fun with that. And we were able to be on the same bus at the yeah. National, so we were able to talk to each other about that. That's fun. Yeah. Um, along with that, a couple of years ago, I served as the director for Region One. That's a big job. It it is. <laughs> it it does really take, is. And um, yeah, balancing that with a, a career was a bit of a challenge for me personally, but. I think it's a challenge for anyone. And I look at people who have a career, have a hybridizing program, have a family, Mm -hmm. and are able to be a director. That honestly blows my mind. When I think of the vast amount of responsibility, Mm -hmm. and it's a volunteer position, right? you know, like you have to be really passionate to be able to pull that off. So thank you for your service. That's really great. Um, I learned a great deal because I was the chair of registration and also part of the committee that reviews all of the names before they're approved by the registrar. I know the rules for registration pretty well. Yes, I bet you do. (laughs) By heart. And um, it was was just a really interesting job to see uh, the creativity that some people would put into their names. And uh, so I, I got a little personal glimpse into to that portion of the daylily world. And I appreciate everyone who's willing to volunteer at any level, at the national level, because I don't, I don't know how to put it, but it's like you instantly have a target, you know, mm-hmm. that everybody knows, oh, you're the director, I'm coming to you for this, you know, yeah. and instantly then you are the expert. So you have to quickly become that expert regardless. And you have, you know big responsibility. So thank you for that. So if people wanted to have you and Mike come and speak, how would they get your information? What would they do? Probably the easiest way would be to go to the website, which is northernlightsdaylilies.com and message us and just let us know who you are and where you are and the dates that you're interested in. And then we'll get back to you to uh, set up details if we're available. Can people just come to your garden? How Do you have open dates or things like that? Or do they need to make an appointment? How does it work? Um, yeah, I'm asking for selfish reasons, of course. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're welcome anytime. <laughs> Thank you. We just ask that you email so we know that you're, that you're coming, coming. <laughs> and when, and so we're sure to be there. And that's that's pretty much how we run things. We're not open to the public throughout the summer because we're really focused on doing our hybridizing and um, just taking care of business of splitting flowers and shipping flowers and that sort of thing. Um, We do have a couple of weekends in late July when we're open in conjunction with the Little Towns Festival, West Concord Survival Days. And that sounds fun. It is. (laughs) It's, you know, it's a town of about 600 people or it's it's just tiny little town and we're right on the edge of that. And so our contribution to the festival is that we open up the one fourth of our seedling fields and let people just dig flowers and take them home, put them in their gardens for $5 a clump. Well, that's a great price for a clump. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And we have people that come from 
uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, South Dakota, and North Dakota for this clump sale this past year. And I mentioned earlier the um, seedling that I got from Bob Faulkner was J.T. Polston. Mm -hmm. and Yeah, J.T.P. is what I call it. Yeah. And um, a hybridizer from the Midwest came and bought one of my seedlings that has that genetics. And so he got early access to it as well. Said, well, you chose wisely because you now have some JTP genetics (laughs) available to you. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And then we're seeing more and more color throughout the town. West Concord was good about planting flowers throughout the little town, but they were all small and yellow. <laughs> and now we're seeing some some, some more fun color. More diversity throughout good. those gardens. There's and nothing people. wrong with small and yellow, but but variety is the spice of life. It is. <laughs> and I'm just amazed at how much fun people have. You know, whole families will come out and dig together and Last summer was hilarious because somebody is packing all their daylilies in. They pack the people back in the car and they're like, oh, we don't have room for the stroller. Very fun. Well, Kathleen, I just want to thank you for your time and for sitting down and having a conversation. It's always a delight to sit and talk with you. And whenever I can have an opportunity to bend your ear, I like to do that. So, Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. If you enjoyed the show, I humbly request that you subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Help others find us by sharing your favorite episode with a colleague. And if you sincerely enjoyed the episode, please give me a five-star rating in iTunes. Visit humblehemorrhaholic.com. That's humble, H-U-M-B-L-E, hemorrhaholic, H-E-M. E-R-O-H-O-L-I-C, all one word, dot com, for a full list of episodes, show summaries, and to subscribe. Got a specific question? Want to sit down and have a conversation? Or simply want to give feedback? Contact me at Rhonda, R-H-O-N-D-A, at Veroven, V-E-R-O-E-V-E-N, dot com. The Humble Hemorrhaholic is a part of the Daylily Pods podcasting network. Visit daylilies.online for more Daylily podcasts.